everyone. Welcome to the first episode of the Players Podcast. I'm Bob and I'm here with my co-host, Az. Welcome to the pod, Az. Cheers, Bob. Looking forward to this episode. Could be a good one. What we have lined up for today is some sports news from around the world, where we will have a look back at all the big sporting news and results from around the world in the past week. After that, we will dive into our thoughts on the US Open and Bob will share his experience with another tennis major. Post that, we will share our thoughts on the AFL preliminary finals. Let's get into it. Starting off with some sport news. Firstly, with AFL, Melbourne Demons demolished the Geelong Cats 125 to 42 in the first preliminary final to earn their place in the grand final. The Dogs did the same by majorly upsetting the Port Power 116 to 45 to meet the Ds in the grand final in a couple of weeks. In tennis, Emma Cardu beat Layla Fernandez 6 4 6 1 to not drop a set throughout the entire tournament and the first ever um, athlete to come from qualifiers and win a final. In the men's, Djokovic and Med... Oh, can you help me out with this uh, last name here, mate? Uh, it's Medvedev. Medvedev uh, had a hard-fought match in the men's with uh, Medvedev uh, taking out gold and beating Djokovic 6-4, 6-4, 6-4 to take out the crown at the US Open. The Australian quad wheel quad wheelchair tennis player Dylan Alcott did something only ever seen twice before, securing the Golden uh, Slam, which is winning all four majors, the US Open, the Oz Open, Wimbledon and the French Open, and also winning gold in the Olympics, or in this case, the Paralympics. A clean sweep for the year. Moving on to NRL, Melbourne Storm smashed Manly Seagulls 40-12 to in the first of the qualifying finals. The Roosters beat the Titans in a tight finish of 25 to 24. The Penrith Panthers suffered a shock loss to the South Sydney Rabbitohs, losing 16 to 10. Finally, the Parramatta Eels beat the Newcastle Knights 28 to 10. This means that the Storm and the Rabbitohs have made it into the prelim finals with a week off. The Sea Eagles and Roosters will play this week, and also Panthers and Eels will both fight it off in the semifinals for a preliminary final berth. In the cricket, unfortunately, the fifth test of the England and uh, England and India series got cancelled as the Indian team physio got COVID and spread that across to the rest of the playing group. India weren't able to field uh, a team uh, because all their players were affected from COVID and uh, they had to cancel the game. India ended up taking uh, home the uh, series with a 2-1 lead over England. As one of the games were drawn, two were won by India, one was won by England, and of course, one was cancelled. This is the first time India has taken home the series since 2007. In the soccer, Cristiano Ronaldo made his return to Manchester United and scored uh, scored two goals in his first appearance back to lead Man United to a 4-1 win over Newcastle. Man United, Chelsea and Liverpool sit at the top of the EPL table, all having 10 points, only separated by the goal difference. In F1, Ricardo started on the front row of the Italian Grand Prix with Verstappen and then uh, Lewis Hamilton. Uh, sorry, with Verstappen. Max Hamilton. Oh, no, that's not right. Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton crashed at halfway through the race, leaving the door open for Ricardo to come through and get his first ever win in three years, capping it off with a shoey. Also in golf on the European tour, American Billy Horschel won the PGA or BMW PGA Championship by one shot to Jason Donaldson, Kiradech, Alfie Barnett, 
Alfie Barnett and Laurie Carter uh, after shooting seven under in his final round. Australian Adam Scott was with them for the most of the um, tournament, but dropped off in the last round, only shooting one under to uh, end up with 13 under, uh, tied for 14. And that's news. Jeez, that was painful. Uh, it's all right. It's, a, it's the first episode. We'll get better at it. We'll get better we move on. Uh, all right. So let's move back to the US Open. As in the women's side of the draw, we had two teenagers make it through to the final for the uh, first time in, I think it's 20 odd years, maybe 25 years. Yeah, no, uh, it's, uh, it's amazing. It's, um, I'm speechless, as you can tell. <laughs> No, it's um, um yeah, it's it's an incredible feat, especially uh, especially for Emma Raducanu taking it out. As I said earlier in the news, uh, being the first qualifier ever to take it out at the US Opens, but also I think this was her fourth tournament and uh, first ever win, so it's incredible to do it at the uh, US Open. Yeah, so she was ranked 150th before the tournament, and now she comes in at uh, the 23rd rank. And I heard the uh, commentator saying that. Her goal uh, earlier this year was just to be able to play in the Australian Open in the main draw and not have to qualify. But now she's guaranteed that because she just won the US Open. Uh, also, uh, Layla Fernandez, the 73rd seed, 19-year-old, had such a tough draw coming through, beating... I'm pretty sure she beat four players who have been in the top five and two of them which have been number one seed uh, previously, yeah, which well, was just she, amazing. She beat number one seed, current number one seed, Ash Barty, um, I'll have to get up her draw, but I know she uh, beat a few top tens in there and she beat them pretty comfortably too. Like she went to a couple of third sets, but otherwise she was flying. Yeah. Yeah. She beat quite a few of the top seeds. Uh, I, I can't remember about Ash Barty, but I know she beat Sabalenka, the second seed, and I think Asaka, who was the third seed. So that's just basically says it right there. And then she just played really well, obviously all tournament and then just ran out of legs in the final. Yeah. I've got uh, Fernandez's uh, US Open sort of draw. Mm. All right. So, sorry. I had it up a second ago. There we go. So, obviously, uh, started from the first round. She uh, beat Croatian Conja, I think it is. Bob, you know the names better than I do, but uh, she beat her in uh, two sets with the first set going into a tie break. Uh, the second round, she versed, I think that, oh, I'm not even going to guess what flag that is, um, but she beat her <laughs> in two, two sets, 7-5, seven, 7-5. Seven, um, mm-hmm. In the third round, she beat uh, Naomi Osaka, the two-time winner of the US Open. Yeah. Um, not the reigning champ, is she? Or was she? Uh, yeah, I think I think she was, actually. Okay. Uh, last year, I think she did win the US Open. Yeah, well, uh, beat Naomi Osaka. Uh, two sets to one. Three sets. She won the last two sets. Then she beat German Kerber. Uh, seed number 16 in three sets. She beat yeah. Ukrainian... I don't like these last names. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Svit- Svitolina yeah, in uh, three sets. Uh, and then she beat the second seed, Arena Sabalenka, 
in three sets again and then unfortunately lost to uh, Emma Raducanu from England uh, in the final. So, but that was yeah. just amazing to see such young players coming through and showing that the, uh, the next generation of tennis is looking quite promising. Absolutely. Yeah. Couldn't agree with you more though. Uh, yeah. But then on the men's side, we had Novak Djokovic uh, looking to get the oh, Grand Slam, winning all four uh, majors. But unfortunately, uh, Daniel Medvedev knocked him off in a pretty comprehensive three-set victory this morning. Uh, I mean, well, I don't really... for you, Bob. Oh, yes. Djokovic would have been, if he won, of course, if he won the US Open, he would have been the first uh, person to win a career, not career Grand Slam, a normal Grand Slam since Ben Hogan for the men's singles. Interesting. 1969. Jeez, that's a while ago. It was a while ago. Uh, yeah, to be honest, I don't really like either of the players. Uh, Medvedev's just, he likes to argue on the court and he's not, doesn't sound like the nicest guy. And in the Kovac Djokovic one. Yeah, and you know Novak Djokovic is is an anti-vaxxer, so it just speaks for itself. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you'll meet him, and you realise how good a bloke they are. Oh well, all right, mate. Did you see the video of uh, Dylan Alcott in the stands of the men's final drinking the uh, drinking up, selling a beer out of the trophy? Oh, I did see that. That was amazing. That is that is culture. Absolute culture. <laughs> it is. It is. Um. Uh, I think that's about it for the US Open. It's been pretty yeah. good two weeks. Yeah. Um, we don't really have much on the doubles, do we? Oh, no, I do have that. Australian Sam Stosa won the women's doubles with Zhang from China. Uh, oh, yeah. They won overnight, which was very good. Uh, and I oh, think... The men's doubles. The... I got the men's doubles here. So, yep. remember, Bob and I, we went to uh, the 2019... Australian Open uh, men's doubles finals. So we were very yep. fortunate to go there. And we watched two Aussies. I can't quite remember who they were, but they it was lost. Uh, It was Max Purcell and... Oh, God. Uh, um, just let me try and just get the name up. Uh, you can get, keep on going. Yeah, right. Well, um, our boys in green and gold lost to... Uh, Salisbury and Ram or Ram, depending on how you want to say it, uh, British and American uh, duo. Uh, they recently uh, they just beat Murray from England and Soros from Brazil in the final in three sets. So um, seems like Salisbury and Ram are the duo to beat right now. They've uh, as mate, few... yeah, mate, as mate. I, um, it was actually um. Uh, it was actually uh, the 2020 Australian Open, mate. Time flies. That's right. Oh, my God. Yes. It was, it was last year. Uh, yeah, so it was Max Bursell and Luke Savile, the Aussies, were in the final against Rajiv Ram and Joe Salisbury. So now those two uh, have now won back-to-back. Uh, well, at least not. Well, they've won two tournaments. The last two years. Two years. Not sure about if they've won any others, but... I'm sure they would have. I mean, they seem like a yeah. pretty solid... Yeah, they smashed the Australian guys when we went to watch that game. Oh, yeah. Are they demolished? Mm. Um, Actually, mate, are you sure um, Salisbury was with uh, Ram? Because I'm looking here a couple of times. In, he was in the uh, 2020 Oz Open and he was in this tournament, wasn't he? 
Yeah, he was. It's just uh, I think some sometimes some like players in doubles like don't want to play in certain tournaments and stuff, so they find new partners. Absolutely, for yeah. occasional ones. I'm just also with the whole now. COVID, whole COVID and stuff, everything's so unexpected. So you exactly. can't really plan anything. Yeah, true. Very true. Oh, well. Yeah, well, I'm just looking here. Um, Salisbury made it to the final of the uh, Wimbledon, but uh, he didn't actually win it. He got done in straight sets with uh, his his player there was Hart. So. Right, right. Yeah. All right. So, um... I guess that's all we have from the US Open. But yeah, I've got I've got news for you listeners. Bob here was actually in the 2020 season, he was actually a ball kid. So uh he went through all the, he went through all the extensive training and the trials and uh ended up getting to pretty much be the servants for the tennis players out in the uh <laughs> out on the ground. They asked ah. shall receive. Exactly. Uh yeah, so, um, so after you, Bob. No, nah, I was just saying it was just good experience, and definitely the Australian, the Australian ball kids are definitely the top out of all of the tournaments. The other ones are just, they just look so unprofessional in the other tournaments. Oh wow, Bob, do, you really... do you agree with? Do you agree? Oh, with I can't, you? can't say I disagree, but I don't know. I also, I also find the Australian Open uniform is also the best with the little hat and the, the, the little neck protectors. We protect yeah, the that, world from that your was, shocking mullet right now, Bob. Oh, <laughs> the Legionnaires cut. Yeah, that were um, uh, that were annoying. But I didn't have my uh, didn't have my long hair then, so uh, it wasn't really an issue. Just it looked terrible, just on me. I think. Yeah, most things do, Bob. But um, oh, yeah, we move on. Well. We move on. So I've lined up a few questions here, mate. So um, just want to get your answers on them. Yeah, I'll sure. start off with um. What what is it like being part of the Oz, Oz Open team? Like, what's it like being behind the scenes, and what are your favourite parts about being behind the scenes and being part of what makes the Oz Open tick? Uh it was really cool because, like, you know, you've been watch. I've been, I'm a big tennis fan, so I've been watching. Uh, I was watching the Oz Open like every year, and to be able to finally uh, be there as a ball kid because I had tried out two years before, but I just didn't get in. Um, it was pretty surreal. Uh, it was cool just being around, being able to walk around the area, like all the underneath the stadiums and stuff. Uh, basically, having free entrance into the tennis every day, you got to watch so much of it. It was just pretty sick. Uh, really, yeah, that's the only way to describe it, I guess. Yeah, I, I can imagine it would be such a surreal and unbelievable experience to have uh, been able to experience. Um, so, Bob, you said that you had tried out two years prior, but obviously couldn't get the role. What, uh, what is the training and what are the trials like for uh, becoming an Australian ball balloon? Because you said that they're the most professional in the, uh, all the majors. So what makes them professional? What training, everything? What, what is it like? Uh, well, I just, wanted to point out your, I just wanted to point out your cheeky pun about me not getting the role because we rolled the ball as a ball kid. That was... That was yeah. a good one. Uh, but so you have to, uh, anyone can apply between the age of, age of 12 to 15. And then you get to 
go to like a trial. There's like a few scattered around the state. Um, uh, then you will, if you do well in that one, you get invited. That's that's stage one. If you do well in that, you get invited to stage two, where you go into the tennis center, into the indoor courts, um, and do it there. Like it's like basically one drill you do over and over, but it practices all components of it. Um, what what does that drill then, contain? Uh, there'll be there's about six people in it. Um, you've got like going as as a ball kid. There's basically two different positions. You're either at the net or you're at the baseline. So um, you got to practice at the net. Um, like the ball's been hit into the net, and you'd run, collect it, uh, and go to the other side, and then roll it down. So you practice your roll as well. And then when you're down at the baseline, you'll practice collecting the balls, like when they've been rolled to you, and also the servicing, which is like giving the balls to the players. Um, so that was just a good drill um, to basically get used to what it's going to be like. Of course, there's not the pressure and stuff like that, but like time-wise, because you've got to be pretty quick as a ball kid, um, especially with certain players. Like, for instance, like Nick Kyrgios, for instance, he loves to serve within normally within about 10 seconds of the point finishing. So you don't have long to do everything you have to do. Uh, yeah, so then that stage happens. You do well again. Then you basically get invited. Uh, you get invited in, basically. Uh, and then you have to do qualifying and stuff. Uh, you get to do the qualifying. And then uh, there's some practice tournaments as well. So you do get lots of practice before it. Uh, yeah, and then you're in. Yeah. Well, Pop, as your time as a ball kid, what did you have any spectacular catches? Because you know you, you'll see them all over telly. You'll see them on YouTube. Highlights, everything. Is one hand screamers. Did you take any of these, mate? Did you? What's your best catch? And r- run us through it. I I didn't take any one hand screamers. I do remember taking a few like good catches though, just like just straight to me though. But they were coming okay. with pretty, like a bit of speed. It didn't uh, hurt the hands also, in the way. No, nah, no, nah, also just wasn't quick enough on one and it got me right in the nuts. But that was uh, the chair umpire actually asked me if I was okay, but I was, I was all good, luckily. Um, Jeez. yeah, I was at it also. Uh, yeah, so that's basically with my catching. Uh, yeah, very good, very good, Bob. Now, I've got two more questions for you. Oh, actually, no, I'll, I'll cut it back to one. I might come up with another one as we go, though. So what, what was your favourite interaction with a tennis player like just throughout the tournament? Did well, you run into well, any behind to... the scenes or did I... you uh, on, on court, off court, anything? Give us one. Yeah, I, ha- I have two uh, proper ones. One, I was bulking on one of the back courts and this guy from France, who's a pretty solid player. Um, oh, I forgot his name. Uh, it'll come to me. He is a left-hander and he, he'd like just smashed his racket on the ground down my end and like it had gone like across the court so I didn't know what to do in that situation so I was like nice guy myself went over and picked it up and took it back to him and then he picks it up he gets it off me and goes to start swinging and I'm right there like he wanted to break it again and I've like started flinching because I thought he was going to hit me quickly scampered away and it was all fine uh but that was just that was one of my favorite interactions and the other was probably uh when I was uh Staying back one night uh, to film a Uber Eats ad as a ball kid because you know with the tennis they like to have ball kids in it to make it like realistic. And uh, Nick Kyrgios walked past and I said, uh, "Hey Nick," and he was like, "Hey mate." And then that was that was it. Yeah, that was my two favorite. So you were in an Uber Eats commercial, were you? <laughs> um, well, 
uh, I had to stay from, like I chosen out of, there were six of us out of the 300 and something ball kids to stay from after our shift, which was from 9 or 10 a.m. in the morning all day to then stay for another uh, three or four hours, so about 11 p.m. at night, 11.30, filming in Rod Laver Arena, an empty Rod Laver Arena. And, uh, yeah, so I was standing on the baseline for a few hours talking to – I actually had a – I thought it was a real linesman. It was actually a – not a model, an actor who had nothing about tennis but was obviously got the role for the ad. And he he looked pretty realistic. I was really excited by this. And then all of it. And then I go home uh, and a few days later, the ad's out on TV and it literally just cuts under where I was standing. So you couldn't actually see me, but you could see a few of the other ball kids. Oh no. So you, so you wasted, or not wasted, I won't say what, it was an experience. You spent four hours standing there. Yeah. Solely yep. just to get a high from a tennis player. Yeah. And as well as getting the high from the tennis player also, Got in trouble for me and this other guy, uh, both Melbourne Demon supporters. I love talking about the footy. We both uh, got in trouble for apparently being hard to handle on this, like when we were waiting to go on, the ball kid supervisor who was there said, when we weren't, we were kind of mucking around, but it was late at night. We weren't doing anything to uh, like ruin anything at all. Uh, And then that meant that we got a spray and ended up... uh, I didn't get on any of the good courts after that. And I don't think he did either. So I think that, uh, (laughs) yeah, so I basically wasted my time doing that and ruined the rest of the tournament kind of. But I mean, I did get to say hi to Nick Kyrgios, so we'll take that. Yeah, I I guess you will, mate. Oh, geez, that's that's a stitch up, some may say. (laughs) Yeah. But um, yeah, oh, geez, what an experience being in a ball boy. Yeah, and I was meant to do it again last year. but uh, because of COVID, uh, the tournament got pushed back to February, which was school time. So I would have missed oh, yeah. the first two weeks of school. And Wouldn't you year ten? Oh, yeah, year 10, first two weeks. So, like, I wouldn't have met any of my teachers and stuff. So I decided I've already done it once before. So it's not like if it was my first year doing it, I might have. Um, I might have done it, but as I'd already done it before, I decided that it was fine. I'll just do boring as school, you know? I get you, mate. I get you. Oh, at least it was fun watching the tennis in the class. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right, mate. Well, I think, uh, I think we'll wrap tennis up there. I think, uh, thank you for sharing your experience, mate. No, no worries. Um, no worries. But I think we might address the elephant in the room, the upcoming AFL grand final. It's a, uh, it oh, started, yeah. sorry, not the grand final, the, the previous uh, games in the prelims, grand finals a couple of weeks away. Yeah, yeah. Let's, 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 yeah, let's do a preliminary final review. Jeez, right uh, over. We'll, st- we'll start off on the first game. Yep. Demons, uh, uh, we, Lions? No. Demons oh. versus Geelong. We, Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So as, the team of champions. As I, as I addressed in the sports news around the world segment at the start, uh, the Melbourne Demons demolished the Geelong Cats 125 to 42. Jeez. That's just... That's uh, unheard of. That's in a preliminary final. That's, well, that's a threshold. I don't, think, I don't think anyone was expecting it to uh, be that big of a margin as, what, three weeks ago in the last round of the season. 
Absolutely. Melbourne, Melbourne won by a goal after the siren. So I think people were expecting a close and good game of footy when really Geelong kicked the first goal. But after that, it was just demons, demons, demons. Oh Especially the third quarter, which I'm pretty sure was 52 to 1 for the quarter. score. That, that was an insane third quarter. But Max Bourne played a massive role in that game, though. He, yep. he was pretty much the demon. Like, I, I read something that said that Max Gorn's third quarter was higher ranked than all 23 Geelong players' third quarter. Combined or? Combined, yeah. He kicked four goals, five contested marks, multiple hitouts. In the one quarter. Uh, tackle, multiple tackles, yeah, all in the one quarter. Gee, that's something like, you're going to recommend very often. Exactly. If you're going to ask me before the game, who do I think is going to get these stats? Um, I would for a quarter. I would not be saying Max Gorn, but he was just on fire. They just couldn't stop him. Big Maxi Gorn. Wow. One thing. One person I will give credit to during that game, though, um, Paddy Dangerfield from the Cats. I mean, Paddy Dangerfield. He didn't really give up. I mean, I mean, when your captain's starting to give away fifties, whether it was there or not, but when your captain starts to give away fifties, it's um. Not a great look. So, for Dangerfield to uh, really just stay in there, it shows why yeah. he's the president of the Players Association. It so shows why he's been a Brownlow medalist. But otherwise, yeah, I think... Geelong just looked flat. They looked like they didn't want to be there. They came yeah. in as like underdogs and didn't do anything about it. Yeah, I reckon if you went through all the Geelong players, he would be the only one that would get a pass mark, like out of all of them. Yeah. Everyone else, I reckon everyone else would would say that they didn't beat their opponent, like in the matchup like they had. They didn't win it. Yeah. Dangerfield might have been the only one. But again, the Melbourne, the three main Melbourne midfielders, which was Viney, Oliver and Petrarca, all played well. Oh, yeah. um, so as much as he did, like no one else really stood up for them. Joel Selwood, just, just a terrible player. Just, he, You're not a fan of yourself, aren't you? He's just the kind of guy that'd have all the umpires around to his house at the end of the season just for, for drinks. Oh, no. Well, he had the most freeze four for the year. Yes. Um, which just, again, you know, just mm-hmm. doing what he does best, sucking up to the umpires. Um, but then he was giving away 50-meter free kicks and we had a set shot from 50 out. Um, it was basically just a gimme goal for even if Ed Langdon did dive or not. There's not a really good camera angle for it. We couldn't really see, but like, still, it's just not even worth pushing him over. Like, he didn't do anything to deserve it other than just tackling him. Like, yeah, you could yeah. you could see Joel Selwood's frustrations are really starting to get the better better of him. But um, yeah, yeah, I guess there's nothing much else to say about that game. It was just the underdogs didn't do anything about it, and Gorn had an absolute flyer. Um, yeah, well, like when when Joel Selwood did that tackle, uh, not the tackle, the the fifty meter free kick that was high. Uh, it was the score was 72 to 32. Um, and before that, it was what, 66 to 32, just still a gettable margin. But by that stage, it was early in the third quarter. You were just like, Geelong just can't get back here. Like, they're, they're, they're gone now. That was the yeah. point where you were like, because they were only down by about five goals at half time. So it was still, it was gettable. But and even when they that, versed you, uh, I think it was round 23, maybe the other yeah. time you versed them, uh, if, if there was another time. But, um, yeah, we did. Belong kicked nine goals straight, it may have been, or at least nine goals yeah. in the quarter. So, yeah, they so it, was, it was never off the cards for them to uh, come back. But after 
you kind of just finished them off and they didn't have a chance, I guess. You'd, and that's what a good side yeah. does. They just don't give the chance. They, they kept them fighting like it was still nil-nil. Yeah, round, round 23. So they kicked nine goals in the, in the second quarter. Um, they actually kicked five goals straight without Melbourne getting a disposal. So just getting out of the midfield, getting it in, kicking a goal. So that was like, yeah. we were, I was always worried that that could happen again because we know that they can do it. But yeah, look, and there's been a so-called uh, virus going around the Geelong playing group in the last, uh, apparently only two days before the game. So six players got it apparently. But I mean, I don't know if that's just like, I'm not doubting that that probably happened, but it's just like, to be fair, Dangerfield didn't use it as a, as an excuse though. He did say that when I'm using, we're not using that as an excuse. We did clearly get smashed. Like we got beaten in all facets of the game. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So sort of comprehensive victory. Then we're looking at the other match. Yeah. The Bulldogs. Bulldogs and Port. The, this time the underdogs did do something about it. Bulldogs yeah. came in as the underdog, bought the favourites, and um, just from right from the get-go, they uh, really let Port uh, know that they were they were hungry to make the grand final. The yeah, Western- I think we got to. I think we got to give Western Bulldogs credit because they lost the last three games of the year, going into finals and dropped out of the top four, which everyone was like, "Oh, this is like." This isn't looking good for them, but now they've come back, won all three of their finals comprehensively. Uh, wait, did well, they, 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 beat, they, they beat? They beat Brisbane. Brisbane by one point, I believe. Which, yeah, yeah. Achieving so other than a minute to go. Yeah, so other than that game, uh, yeah, they beat the Bombers by sixty and Port by eight. Yeah, so they're like they're in good form. The Demons are in good Absolutely. form as well. So it's going to be... I mean, the week off might play a role. Uh, it's the going Bulldogs, to Bulldogs. The Bulldogs played... I think it might help the Melbourne, to be honest. Really? After having... I'm a, going to, already having a week off and then... I get that come out after round 23, but Bulldogs... The Demons, the demons came out... The Demons came out and had, they had a week off and they came back and... Won by 83 points. And then the Bulldogs have played all three weeks, carrying their form through. Maybe a week off is not what they want because they're going to carry their good form through. Well, maybe. That's why. Another, another way this could benefit Melbourne uh, quite a lot is with your defenders that they're starting to get injured. I think uh, May and Lee have both had hamstring problems. Not, not yeah. looking. They, they were able to play out the game or play out another quarter and then just went off for safekeeping. But... um. Lever will be fine. He just had a little bit of a hyperextension of his knee when he like, on the follow through of a kick, but he played out the rest of the game fine uh, and still played really well. So he'll be fine. Stephen May though, the week off will be good for him. I think just to Absolutely. like rest it up more. But he did say after the game, there's no chance that he's not playing. Like he's he's a hundred percent playing. So yeah. I mean, I think Melbourne's almost a better team with a half injured Stephen May playing than young guy who hasn't played much footy all year for us, you know? I guess, man. I guess you're a... Uh... Because as much, as much of a good player as he is, he also basically leads the defence, positions everyone, does everything. Yeah. Um, and he played, out, he played out another quarter and a half or so with his, uh, his hamstring, which didn't look like a serious one. So 
Sort of like um, a little niggle, though. Um, we we took him off after we were fifty points up, and it was fine. So I think he he'll be fine. He should be fine, absolutely. especially with the yeah extra time off. Um, oh, and then yeah. also uh, got to give some praise to Adam Trelaw after coming back after having a few bad weeks, two oh, bad yeah. weeks. Absolutely came back, played really well. Um, also Bailey Smith just kicked another. Uh, well, he kicked three, I think. I think it was, I think it was four. I think he was kicked four this week. Yeah. Yeah, he so that's four, that's so. He's, um, he's really starting. Like, he already had a name for himself, but he really, really starting to become a bit more of one of the faces of the AFL. He's uh, yeah, showing his dominance. I think he's young, maybe 21, 22 maybe. Yeah. I mean. Now he's just, he's just now, he's more than just a guy with a good haircut. Absolutely. He's a, he's a good player now. Yeah, yeah, you could say that. But um, I guess <laughs> nah, we'll, we'll address one more topic uh, before we start to wrap things up, Bob. And that is Jack yep. McRae getting the uh, most amount of disposals in a season, beating Tom mm-hmm. Mitchell uh, from yep. the 2019 or 18 season. Yeah, I'm not He's sure. I'm pretty sure. Season. Yeah, 20... I think it was 2018 uh, that he did, uh, if hey, my man. memory is right. Um. So yeah, but that's a remarkable effort. I mean, he gets a lot of a lot of the ball, uh, and he's worked on his inside work. I think this year he's been like a lot more of an inside mid than a winger. He has, um, yeah. and yeah, I was watching the other game. He was like the he got thirty six disposals, and the next most out of a bulldog. I think it was only in the twenties. I think so. Uh, yeah, that's shows. Right. Yeah, so he's he's just ripping uh, ripping it apart. And if anybody's gonna Deal the ball off Clayton Oliver or Gorn, I guess, but uh, I meant Petrarca <laughs> or Viney. Yeah. Um, it's going to be him. He's going to be the one that's going to dish it off so Bont and Baslenka can do their thing, work their magic. He will be the, uh, yeah. he will be the sort of uh, underrated, sort of underappreciated difference uh, in the grand it's final. Gonna, it's going to be interesting because in the first time we played the Bulldogs uh, back in around 10, we uh, actually tagged Libba as we uh, and that w- we won the game by twenty odd points, and everyone was saying that was the reason why because Libba was basically the engine room. He was the one getting the yeah. ball out to the McCrays and the Bonds. Whether now uh, it'd be interesting to see if Jack Viney goes to um, if he goes to Bontempelli, as he can basically win them the oh, game yeah. single handedly. McCray. Bazlanka's in good form or Libba. It's yeah. going to be interesting to see which one we pick uh, and how it goes. choices. It's, um, it's going to be a great grand final. And we will discuss more about that in our uh, next episode next week, yeah. um, which will be coming out uh, Tuesday the 21st. Yes, Tuesday the 21st of September. So um, keep your eyes peeled for that one. That will be another great, yeah. uh, a great episode to uh, tune in for. Yeah, if you want if you want updates about the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram at the Players Podcast. Uh, also, uh, it'll be on Spotify and on YouTube at the Players Podcast. So, yes. look us look us up on there. Give us a follow, or subscribe, whatever. Just and make sure to like us. Channel. Absolutely, let us yeah. grow. Spread the news. Absolutely, let's get, let's get lots of lots of lots of people contributing. Also, if you do have anything to say about our podcast. Please email us at therealplayerspodcast.com. Uh, realplayerspodcast at gmail.com. 
There you go. Uh, and we may bring up some of the stuff you guys say on the podcast and give you guys a shout out. So, yeah, just come along and support, I guess. Yes. Well, um, thank you, Bob. Pleasure talking with you. Cheers, Look forward to talking to you next week. Yep. See you next week. Good on you, mate.